With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. I like those horns, baby. Yeah. AK, what is this, baby? What is this, AK? It's not my birthday. Martial arts. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry. You ruined it. You ruined it, AK. We practice this. We practice this. (laughs) Yes. Apparently not enough times, but we have a UFC event tomorrow. We have a lot going on tonight, but tomorrow... UFC returns to the beautiful Apex. We go from Singapore to Austin, back to the Apex for UFC Vegas 57. And what a main event it is going to be. Two incredible lightweight up-and-comers looking to just make a stamp on this rise to the top. One of these guys, maybe both of these guys will fight for titles at some point, in my opinion. But one of these guys will have a little bit of a head start, depending on the result of this main event between Armand Sarukian and Matush Gamrat. We have a fun co-main event as well, prospects galore that we have a lot of questions about, and we're going to get a lot of answers tomorrow in Las Vegas. Welcome to the UFC Vegas 57 live preview show here at MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. We got a crew here. We got Jose Youngs. He'll be my partner in crime in Sin City next week for International Fight Week. And of course, the Prince of Positivity himself, the great Alexander K. Lee. AK, I want to begin with you, my best friend. Yes. I want to begin with you, my best friend. I'll let you say what you have to say, but uh, say what you need to say. I had nothing nothing to say. Okay. Well, hopefully you have something to say now because I'm curious what the old AK gymnastics scale is for this card because while it's not not star-studded of a card, if you really look at these matchups individually by themselves, there's a lot of really fun fights. There's a lot of potential for for violence tomorrow at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. So – What's the gymnastics scale for this card, especially with this main event between Sarukian and Gamron up the top? 8.3. 8.3. Ooh. 8.3. I, I like this card a lot. The main card, definitely. I mean, they, the prelims, 
excuse me, guys, I'm dealing with a bit of a, a throat thing here. Uh, the prelims are a bit of a crapshoot. Uh, I, I, I listen. The, the last uh, I think couple times I've said that prelims, you know, might be light on finishes. I think we've had so many finishes over the past what two or three cards. So. If I if I'm telling you again that it looks like we'll have competitive fights in the prelims, fights that are going to go, you know, uh, quality fights that are going to go to a decision, maybe bet the house on like five or six of these fights and even finishes because my gauge for that for these has been way 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 off. Uh, maybe it'll be different because at the UFC Apex, I don't know. Maybe that's why there's been this uptick in in violence because people have been out in front of the crowds and just going nuts. Um, but I just don't see the prelims being one. Uh, rife with highlights and two, ah, God, I, I just some of the names on here are just not jumping out at me. But the main card is so, so, so strong. Even, even uh, <clears throat> Alan Badeau and Josh Friesian, I'm into it. I'm into it. You know, I know there's a lot of people questioning why is it on the main card, and it's like it's heavyweights. Uh, you know, hopefully it'll be the fun kind of heavyweight fight and not the grueling kind. So I'm optimistic. Probably it's what what's keeping this from being higher than like an 8.5, which is an 8.59 range. So I'm comfortable saying if everything goes right, 8.3 on the 8.3 in the degree of difficulty scale. Jose, I'm glad you're here. This is the kind of fight we like to have you on for these preview shows because we got two mm-hmm. very, very good. I guess you can call Gamrat a prospect. I know he's in his 30s, but he's also been around the block a little bit more than Sarukian has. But you have been as high on Batush Gamrat as anybody that I know. So your thoughts on this main event. And I mean, it's just, it's just such a fun fight. It's a big one for these guys at 155. Some people think maybe it's a little too early to match these two guys up, but I think the time is now. And I love this fight. I get that argument that it's, it's too soon because I'm, I've been in the category where both of these guys will be top five lightweights in the future. Uh, and obviously like a number one contender fight, fight like title fight this and that would obviously just be gangbusters but i don't particularly care whether it's today or 10 years from now i want to see these two guys fight i'm glad it's five rounds i know a lot of guys like when they announced this fight there wasn't a main event yet and everyone just assumes this would be a co-main event because while they are top 15 guys they're like they're ranked like 15 to 10 and we don't normally see fighters below welterweight headline cards that aren't top 10 top five fighters so the fact that these two gentlemen are getting top like a main event spot, five round fights just shows. I don't know what if it if this was the original plan for the UFC, but I'm glad this is what came out because I like you said I've been high on Matash Gamrot for a long time. Like he came in as a champ, champ from KSW. He was just a monster. I'll die on that hill that he beat Guram uh, on Fight Island. That was a short notice fight for him. It wasn't his original opponent, so uh, he obviously wasn't prepared. And I still think he won that fight. And then since then he's he's been on a tear. And normally at lightweight, when you rack up a couple wins you don't make the top 15 so quickly. He's racked up not nearly as many wins as some guys below him, and he's already in the top 15. So that just goes to show you what the ranking panel views him and the UFC. Because Yuri Prohaska was a champ of another organization. Manel Kopp was the champ of another organization. Michael Chandler was the champ of another organization. And they debuted in like in Manel Kopp and Michael Chandler's case, they debuted on the scale and they didn't even have a fight. They were a backup for a title fight later that the next day and then obviously like fighters like justin gaethje and eddie alvarez got those big spotlights and mentalish gamrock did not he got fight a, a monster prospect in his first fight on fight island in front of nobody not his fault uh so i'm glad he's getting this top 15 fight and armin sarukian again had like we talk about UFC tough UFC debuts. He fought Islam Makhachev in Russia in his UFC debut on short notice in front of I'm not saying a hostile crowd because obviously they were pro uh 
Islam, but obviously he won a lot of fight fight fans over. Uh, even Habib after when if you've seen the video when Armin Sarukian left the octagon, Habib came over and was like, "You're going to be a really like high level fighter in a couple of years." So I this is just every definition of the word high level martial arts. I don't care if there's beef. I don't care if there's bad blood. I don't care if there's fifty thousand or seventy thousand KSW people watching this fight or a hundred people in the apex. I just want to see these two lightweights fight, and I'm so ecstatic that it's five rounds. Yeah, and Sarukian was 22 years old making his UFC mm-hmm. debut against Islam Makachev, and yeah, dude gave Makachev some fits. Makachev won the fight. There's no controversy there, but. Man, Sarukian made Makachev work for that one. What do you think of this fight, AK? Because we go from Teixeira Prahashka, Cater to, then we get Cater Emmett as a main event. And now we get this fight. We're changing pace a little bit, getting ready for International Fight Week coming up next Saturday. But I think this is a fantastic main event. I think you can make an argument that either the main or the co-main event could have headlined this card and it would still be equally as fascinating in a lot of ways. But it feels to me just like the lightweight division is on fire right now, and one of these two guys is going to emerge. Your thoughts on the placement of the fight and just the matchup itself? And listen, uh, <clears throat> I know uh, you kind of asked me about the whole card earlier, but the UFC is on a run. You know, we don't let it just be PR for the UFC sometimes. Of course, you know, it's the biggest company, and, and when good things are happening in the UFC, it's fun to talk about. But man, they are on a run. They are on a run. I mean, UFC Austin was spectacular. UFC 275 was was uh, was really really good. Um, and now, uh, excuse, did I say two, yeah, 275. And now, uh, yeah, you have this great high quality headliner, uh, and they're all they're all great in like their own way. You know, I mean, again, uh, you have the two title fights at 275. You know, of course, they're compelling their title fights, um, and and they were one ended up being more compelling than people had thought. One was super hyped up from the moment Glover Teixeira, you know, uh, won the title. <clears throat> Excuse me, they want to see him fight Yuri Prochka. Uh, the Cater Emmett fight, two fan favorites, two guys who people knew were going to put on a great stand up fight. Um, two guys who, with the right performance, could enter the featherweight title talks. I mean, that's kind of still up in the air. I'm not sure how much uh, you know Emmett seems to think he did enough. So, you know, there are some storylines there. And then this one, for your more casual fan, sure, you could say it's flying under the radar. It's it's uh, it's at the UFC Apex. We're losing that live crowd kind of juice to it. But for the for those in the know, you know, for the hardcore, as however you want to phrase people who don't miss a UFC card, who have their finger on the pulse of who all the you know up-and-coming names are, I mean, this is like just just as compelling as any of those other main events, and maybe just short, because we are seeing the future here. I am with Jose. Uh, I, I do like to believe there's a point there's a point where you want to keep up and comers and uh, future talent challenges from fighting one another. And then there's a point where it's just like, man, you have these guys in your roster. W- when you have a roster this loaded, how can you keep them apart? You just want to see them you, you just want to see them go at it. And these these are two lightweights that are gonna fight someday. So why not now? A loss does by no means remove other guy, uh, either guy, excuse me, from future title fight consideration. They both have strong resumes going into it. I bet they're both going to build strong as resumes after this fight, no matter who wins. Um, so I'm super, super amped about it. And uh, I, again, the whole, I can't really, I really cannot wait to talk about the rest of the card, as you can tell. But I will say if we're just talking about the main event, I mean, it's it's a, as close to a 10 as you can get, I think, without having two guys who, without it being like a number one contenders fight or two legends or two, you know, being a title fight. It's, it is it is as good as it gets. Yeah, this is just a solid fight. Betting lines right now, Sarukian, a minus 260 favorite. The comeback on Matush Gamrat is plus 220. This line was up to about a minus 300 a couple of days ago, but a few people jumping on the Gamrat train. I see a lot of people in the comments are jumping on the Gamrat train as well, but... Just looking at this, Jose, from 
just a high level martial arts competition. You got Sarukian, who's 25, who I feel just hasn't re- even reached his prime yet, which is super scary. And then you have Gamrod, who is just on this night, nice run, who may be in the middle of his prime, or maybe perhaps he hasn't gotten to his prime yet either at 31 years of age. So what's the biggest question you have in this fight between these two guys? Um, That's a really good question. I would say, because these are obviously, I, I, I think it's safe to say that the, well, I'm not like obviously Armin fought, islam in his debut but i believe that was on short notice for him too like like armand took that maybe took that fight on short notice if i remember correctly so these guys have looked like they have no weaknesses the last few fights and i really want to see like this is a test to show which one when two when two essentially fighters that have showed no weakness clash i want to see what happens when the other one faces some sort of adversity in there because i think that's what really sets people up into the top five because you can be the man unranked and then 15 to 10 but once you crack that top 10 and you fight guys that you know you're on your back all the time or you're getting clipped or you're hurt all the time like we saw with yuri perhaska he's been clipped a lot and now he's the champion because he can show that he can come back and win a fight same as charles Oliveira. i think that's my biggest question right here where when something doesn't go right for the person for one of these two gentlemen how they respond because like if you look at their resumes like one of them, I think, is seven five seven knockouts, five decisions, and like six or seven decisions. And then it's like the same thing for the other guy, like seven five six, seven five eight, whatever it is. So they're re- they're even the records are similar, and their outcomes of victory are almost identical, mirror image. It's one of those fights. Like it reminds me of like I said the same thing when Anthony Smith fought Glover back in Jacksonville, where it doesn't matter. Like when you break a fight down, like oh, this guy has better grappling, this guy has better striking, this guy has better submission, this and that. There's really no guy I can point to that's better than the other one at all of those aspects of MMA. If it goes to the ground, if it's standing, if it's a wrestling match, if it's a Muay Thai fight, if it's a kickboxing fight, they're both equally as talented. So I want to see what happens when one guy gets hurt, one guy attempts to implement his game plan and doesn't go according to plan, what their plan B is and how they do face adversity. Because at that point, that will determine which of these fighters is actually a future title contender in the in the current in like the near future, not distant future, because both of these guys can obviously come back and improve and and fight for the title down the road. But say Gamrock gets hurt early and he responds and wins, that's a top seven fighter, same as Armin Saruki. And so how each individual responds to adversity would be my biggest question. What about you, AK? What's the big question you have? Uh, everything that Jose mentioned, yeah, for sure. Because I always tell people like, you know, you're gauging future champions and long, like people who are really going to last by how they face adversity, not how they cruise to the top. Cody Garbrandt is probably one of the best examples of that. He had a great run to the top. Uh, and, and I'm not saying he dealt with adversity badly because, you know, he also just like went up to this insane level of competition where he's going to fight guys who were good, you know, going to beat him. But there's another, like, we didn't get a good idea of just how good Garbrandt was on the way up. Uh, it wasn't until he started taking losses and then we're like, okay, well, now we know where this guy sits, you know, all the time, how close he's coming back. So that for sure matters. I'm hoping both these guys are tested. I'd love to see a back and forth fight. But even if it's one sided, I do want to see how the, you know, the loser uh, bounces back. The other thing for me that's really standing out is it's, you know, we kind of have been um, strategic with how we call these guys prospects because Gamrot probably less so. He's been around for a while. KSW, he established himself and then, you know, he just made it to the UFC. I think I would say at the right time of his career. And Surikian almost also doesn't look like a prospect. Like if you just look at his record, like six years under your belt, seven years to say, as a pro is pretty good. And then you remember he's only 25 years old. 
So like, I mean, he does kind of feel like a prospect, right? So, uh, but, so I would say Gamrot isn't, Sarukian's right on that borderline. I wouldn't be offended at all if people were like, oh no, Sarukian's not a prospect. You know, he's just a contender now. I agree with that. It's just crazy to say a 25-year-old guy as talented and seasoned as him. So I wonder, so that's what's going to, that, that to me is a factor is how much of an, a real experience gap is there between them? Gamrot is older. Gamrot has been a pro for longer. Gamrot has a few more professional fights under his belt. Uh, Gamrot, I would argue, again, had the stronger pre-UFC competition, um, not to take away from some of the leagues that um, Armand, Armand fought for, but I do think, you know, I do hold KSW up pretty highly uh, in terms of esteem, in terms of prestige, and the quality of guys that they signed there. Uh, but again, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can say 100%, oh, well, Gamrot clearly has a stronger resume and is clearly has the experience advantage. Could it, it could be closer than I think. And it, I, while that's kind of an intangible thing, to be able to find out. Um, I think when you watch how Sarukian, like handles situations, how he adapts, um, and again, that whole adversity question, we'll, we'll know like how much that past experience really helped him. Because we know Gamrod has been in there with some, again, I, I would say some uh, higher quality, more experienced guys. Um, so Sarukian, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out how much his past fights have really, have really helped him. So that, that I'm really fascinated by. The difference between like what looks like experience on paper and what is sort of a real practical fighting experience. Yeah, you guys you guys said a lot of things that I would say, so I guess I'll try to take it in a different direction. I guess for me, it's, is Gamrot catching Sarukian at the right time because of the, I mean, not inexperienced, but 25, Gamrot, six more years, not just in fighting terms, like he doesn't have many more fights than him. He's got a little more experience in the big levels and five round fights especially, but like is just overall life experience dealing with the adversity. Like Jose said, is, is, is Gamrot catching Sarukian at the right time or is Gamrot just getting a whole bunch of bad luck right here? Being on this nice run. There's a, a, a few veterans guys with some names that you could easily match him up with and it would make sense. But now you're throwing him in there with, with a guy where it's a hardcore fans delight, but in the overall grand scheme of things, beating Armand Sarukian is cool and, it would do a lot for us, but for the casual viewer, they're just gonna be like, okay, he beat a guy, he beat a guy named Armand Sarukian. So this is a huge fight. I just I'm curious about the timing. I'm curious just how good Sarukian's gonna be in the spot against a guy like Gamrod. And if we're gonna come out of here saying, wow, maybe Gamrod is as good as most people said he was when he was coming into the UFC, if this is just perfect timing to fight a guy like Sarukian before he really gets as good as he's going to, or was this just a bad luck stop for Gamrod? when he's surging coming off of that really close fight, that, that gritty fight with Guram Kutatsalatse. So I'm fascinated. Let's get to some picks. Jose. Armand Sarukian versus Matush Gamrat. You don't want the favorite or the dog? I can't pick this, this fight, man. I've said it for a long time. Matush Gamrat, I was such a fan of him when he was in KSW. He remained, I remained such a massive fan. Is he better than Armand Sarukian? I don't know. Armin Sarukian has looked pretty unstoppable. And everyone I talked to when I'm on site said Armin Sarukian is going to be a future title challenger. They don't say the same thing about Gamrod. They say Mataush Gamrod is really good and will be a top five fighter, but they don't really say future title challenger. Now, I'm not saying that's true, uh, but I, I, I don't know. This is a 50-50 fight. I also think it's, I'm such a fan of Mataush Gamrod. It's just not fair to Armin Sarukian for me to pick this fight. I just can't. I can't pick this fight. It's like one Korean zombie fights. It's just disrespectful respectful to the other opponent i think more mma media should just admit that they're fans of fighters and they just you know don't pick the fight 
because I can't do that. I can't pick this fight. Armin Sarukian has been perfect. Gamrot is one of my favorite fighters, and he's been perfect. It's just not fair to pick this fight. So pass. AK, all you. Wow. Wow. What a what a soft soy boy you are. Oh, I oh yeah. I love the fighters. <laughs> I don't hey, I don't you know what? There's this thing that you take in journalism school called journalism and ethics and integrity. And I cannot in good conscience be unbiased picking. Slept through that class. So yeah, slept through that class. When you're when you're (laughs) I'm one of listen, I'm one of those guys. When you're as talented as I am, you don't read half the material. You skip most you skip most of the classes. Usually you're just hanging around getting high in the yard. I mean, I'm not what can I say? I got I got a I got a, you know, the yard, the community center, the, the community oh. college yard, the community college yard, which is where I got my, 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 you know, my, my papers, you know, I'm not good with words. I didn't do well in school. <laughs> listen, I skip classes. I skip classes. This is what happens. Listen, uh, no, listen, I enjoy watching. <laughs> that was not a hornable lie. <laughs> uh, I, I, un- unlike Jose, uh, I lack empathy as a human being. Uh, I enjoy watching these human beings uh, batter each other for my amusement. You know, I'm sick like that. Uh, we all know this. This is all. I'm not telling you guys anything new. So I'm happy to say who will who will inflict more pain and punishment upon another person and uh, and win their fight. Um, I've been pretty high on Surkian. Gamrot as well, of course. Um, but I've been riding the Surkian train for a while. Uh, ever again before UFC, I knew he would give uh, Islam Makhachev a fight. I think most people had heard of him. Had, knew the same thing. Not not necessarily they would beat him. And then after that, they're like, man, it's nothing but going upwards for Sarukian, and that's how it's been. What a stiff test this is. This is the number 11 uh, lightweights in our rankings. They're actually tied for the number 11 spot, which just shows, by the way, how great the MMA fighting global rankings are. Uh, they are fighting. They are fighting for that number 11, probably number 10 spot, depending who wins. They might actually jump over some people in front of them. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm all in on Sarukian. It's it's hard to point out like stylistically to say, like, oh, well, he's going to dominate him here because Gamrot's a great, great, great grappler. He's shown he has power. Um, so it's not like I, I'm saying Surukyan could just like dominate him with wrestling or or or, or beat him in the striking. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a really good fight. But I don't know. Maybe it's the speed of Surukyan. Maybe it's the relative youth, not that 31 is old. Uh, but I feel comfortable picking Surukyan. Do not, as I always say, guys, don't bet on MMA. I don't want to hear anybody come back to me and say, oh, you picked you picked Armin on the preview show. That's why I went with him. This is like a 51-49 pick here. Like these guys are, are, are both really, really good. But if I had to pick, which I do, I'll go with Armin Sarukian. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going with Sarukian as well. It's, it's, it's a great test for him. Gamrock can pose problems for sure. I think the wrestling... I'm not going to say it's a stalemate. I think just offensive wrestling-wise, I think Gamrot's got a slight edge. But Sarukian is so good defensively. He's so good defensively, especially on the wrestling. He's a great counter-striker. He does things basically from a defensive position that he turns into offense so, so well. And I think that's just going to be such a difference in this fight. I just think he's going to be a step ahead of Gamrot. I think if we're talking about striking, Gamrot, it's not. I'm not saying Gamrot can't throw hands because he certainly can, but I think Sarukian's a better striker. And if Sarukian gets on top of Gamrot, he's in trouble. He's definitely in trouble. That ground and pound that this man delivers is unbelievable. So while I'm super high on both of these guys, I have Gamrot number 11 in my personal rankings. I have Sarukian higher than anybody in our panel. I have him at number eight, and I think it's for good reason. So I think this is going to be a fun fight. I think it's going to be competitive at times, but it wouldn't stun me to see Sarukian 
win this fight 49-46. Now, when this fight gets to the later rounds, that's when things are going to get a little bit interesting for me. Can How is Sarukian going to pace himself over 25 minutes? Does that change things? So that's another big question I have. What happens if we get to round four, if, if we get to round five? And I'd be stunned if we didn't get to the championship rounds, but I still feel like Sarukian can get a comfortable lead, hold on, maybe win the fourth, and then have to sort of just stay in there in the fifth when Gamrot kind of knows that he has to go in there and get a finish to win the fight. But I just think in, in this game of inches, I think t- across the board, Sarukian just a tiny bit better than Gamrot in a lot of ways. But I think the defensive prowess that Sarukian brings to his fights is going to be the difference maker in this one for me. I think he's going to be able to get himself out of some jams a little bit easier and, and a little bit more efficiently than Gamrot will. So in this game of inches, I go with Sarukian to, to get the job done. I just think he's got more ways to win, more ways to shine. But this fight is awesome, and I can't wait to see how this goes down. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Much like the co-main event, gentlemen, Neil Magny is taking on another super prospect here in Shafgat Rachmanov. Rachmanov has just been running over dudes, and Neil Magny is just that guy that says, try to run me over, son, and see if you could do it. And what was stunning about the face-off AK was that Rachmanov was actually bigger than Neil Magny. You don't see that very often in a Neil Magny fight. When those two guys are squaring off, Rachmanov looked bigger than Neil did. What do you think of this matchup? Is this the right 
sort of next step up for Rachmanov because the UFC, oftentimes when you have guys like this, there's intrigue. Maybe they slow roll them. Fighting Neil Magny, this is not a slow roll at all. Is this the right test? What do you think of this co-main event? Again, the uh, MMA fighting global rankings have worked their magic, Mike. Uh, magic, Mike. <laughs> uh, Shavkat Rachmanov oh. is currently tied for the number 13 spot in our rankings with uh, Bellator champion Logan Storley and uh, Jorge Masvidal. I know there's a lot of people who are like, why is Jorge Masvidal still up there? It's because people like me who are still ranking Masvidal. Just, I, I don't apologize for it. And uh, above all of them, at number 12, well, Mr. Neil Magny, who uh, I've constantly underrated. So, uh, with that said, I think people can can will can know that I am leaning in the Rachmanov direction. This is another guy I've been, definitely been drinking all the Kool Aid. Uh, I'm all in on. I just love everything I've seen from his all around game. I'm probably being a little bit dazzled by you know the the unblemished record that always kind of that always kind of gets in, in my head personally when I'm kind of picking fights. And you know Neil Magny. Uh, I mean, look, people look at his record and say, oh, he's lost seven times. I mean, he's been fighting nothing but the best of the best for ever since he's like gotten the UFC. Um, he's one win away. He's one win away from saying from breaking a tie with George St. Pierre. GSP, guys, for the most wins uh, in welterweight history. He'll probably get it someday. I don't think it's going to happen on Saturday. I love Neil Magny. He's, he's going to give you a hard... Uh, three rounds or five rounds, whatever you demand of him every time. He's he's such a difficult out. I think someone with Rachmanov's grappling background, though, can control him, can uh, bully him on the ground. Um, I like so, – so that's – because we, we have seen that happen to Magny before. I know you're right. He gets better and better all the time. We've, we've seen like, oh, well, this version of Neil Magny wouldn't have lost, you know, fights that the, ver- the Neil Magny of seven, eight fights ago, you know, would have lost. And that's fine. I think we're seeing a great version of Neil Magny. So this is nothing against him. This is, again, just like with Sarukian, the level that I think Rachmanov is at and how quickly I think he's going to ascend to a title shot. I mean, he beats Neil Magny, let's say convincingly. Let's say he gets a finish, which I think is entirely possible. He's maybe, depending on how things shake up at the top, it's tough because welterweight, once you get to the top 10, is like is like a molasses up there. Two more fights after this one. Two more fights to get a title shot. So he'll have to go like 6-0, 7-0. I think that's reasonable. I, I, I think that's what most people would expect. Certainly things could happen that could get move um, other contenders out of his way. But my conservative prediction would be um, he wins on Saturday. A couple more big wins. And then no matter who it is that has the title uh, at that point, Rock Bottom's getting a shot. The betting lines of this are really interesting. Not that that's something you really pay all that much attention to, Jose, but at least you get to see how the people who are putting money on these fights that look at it from that perspective are looking at this. Taking Umar Namagamadoff off of this card altogether, which he's not, but just for this, for the sake of this question, Rachmanov, the biggest favorite on the card, minus 410 against Neil Magnu, comes back at plus 330. You're shaking your head. Sounds like a stunning number, is it not? That's very bizarre. Considering, you know, Neil Magny has almost every win record in welterweight history, like or tied or second or third or whatever. So someone that's how was he three and oh, Shafgat's three and oh in the UFC, correct? And Neil yeah, Magny you know. has said Neil Magny has had at one point more wins in a calendar year total <laughs> than Shafkat has in his UFC career. So correct. It's bizarre. Get it. It's like when Hamzat was fighting Gilbert Burns. I think Hamzat was uh, was the favorite. Like uh, he was a decent favorite. So, uh, but like what? Well, like outside of the wins that Neil, like the total wins Neil Magny has, 
he has like he's tied or at he's he has the most decision wins in the history of the UFC with 13. And I think he's tied for second with most unanimous decision wins in UFC history. So this dude is not getting tired at all. And Shavkat has never even made it to the third round. Now, Neil, a lot of the losses that Neil Magny has is because his opponent gets ahead early or hurts him early, and then Neil Magny just can't catch up. Neil Magny excels at put, putting the pace on early and just not stopping. He's shown that if he can't do that and his opponent does that to him, it's not going to be a good night for Neil Magny. Like he got hurt early with Santiago Ponzinibbio. He got submitted by RDA fairly early, if I remember correctly. Michael Chiesa is essentially just fought Neil Magny the way Neil Magny fights people, and then Lorenz Larkin just kind of beat the soul out of him real early in route to like a TKO win. So, uh, if he can do, if he can implement his game plan in the first two rounds, or at least the first round and a half. That's going to be a rough night for the Uber Proxfest and Shavkat Rachmanov. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if Shavkat hurts Neil Magny in the first round but doesn't finish him, it's going to be tough because Neil Magny has shown that if he gets hurt, it's probably not going to... Like, I, I, the Hector Lombard fight, I'm going to use as an outlier because Hector Lombard just kind of blitzed him and then got exhausted after one round and then Neil Magny took advantage of that. I don't think that's going to happen to Shavkat because I don't think he has this the lack of gas tank that Hector Lombard had when Hector Lombard was cutting to welterweight. So this is a super fascinating fight in the sense that there's an Uber prospect who doesn't make it to the third round against a guy who has made it to the third round more than any fighter in the history of the <laughs> UFC. So I'm very, very, I, I even think he has like the longest fight time in welterweight history. I don't think he has the most in UFC history. I still think that's Frankie Edgar. But if you look at the amount of time in the I'm not saying like you know like overall time. I think he has like five total hours of fighting <laughs> or something like that in 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 UFC welterweight history. So have fun with that if you don't put him away in the first two rounds. But this is such a fascinating fight for me. Yeah, Rachmanov's been to the third round once and he got a finish, but that was four years ago and that was not in the UFC. That was a battle of nomads. So this is a whole different level and Neil Magny is a whole different guy, but. I love this fight, AK. It seems like you're you're leaving you're leading uh, leaning with Romanov here, or Rachmanov, excuse me, because I mean you, you painted the picture perfectly. How does he get this done? Is this a finish? Is this a decision? How do you see it playing out? <sighs> Jose is right. You got it. You got to kind of got to get to Neil Magny early. You kind of have to stop him from even getting the engine going. So I am going to go early finish. Rachmanov, first round submission. Damn. Damn. That is a, I like it. Jose, your thoughts. Can you pick this one? Yeah, I could pick this one. I'm just going to pick Neil Magley just so I can be semi different. And I kind of phoned it in the last time because like journalism, integrity, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but like beat Jeff Neal, beat Max Griffin, beat Robbie Lawler in his fashion. I'm not saying Shafkat is any sort of similar style of fighters at those two, but. Those are all three-round fights against pretty dangerous opponents. So I'm going to say I'm going to stick with Neil Magny to win by decision because that has happened more than any other fighter in UFC welterweight history. So I'm going to pick Neil Magny by decision. That's a good bet. I think that's uh, – I'm trying to see what the the line is on that, but that's that's a pretty solid line. I think it's like plus three-something Magny by decision. That's very bizarre. So. All right. Imagine, imagine Francis Gano by first round knockout being plus 300. That would be 
very baffling. And Neil Magny by decision is just as likely an outcome pretty much. Yeah, you got you got to believe that Magny's going to win. Plus 500? Yeah, I knew it was up Plus there. Plus 500. I think this is going to be this will be the most important fight of Rachmanov's career. No matter what happens in there. He's going to take so much away from this. I do think he's going to win. I do think he has two dominant rounds, like really dominant rounds. Maybe a 10-8 mixed in there. But like Jose said, I do, even though he, he's been in the third round once before, it wasn't against Neil Magny, who is just not going to go away. He's not going to go away quietly. He's going to make him work no matter what. Even if Rachmanov's on top trying to advance position, Magny's going to make him work. He's going to try to suck away some of that cardio a little bit. And I think Magny will have himself a nice third round. But I think Rachmanov will, will, will get it done. I think he'll win a decision and he moves on to bigger and better things. But it's a fight that I don't know if this is going to be like a slow your roll fight. Because, I mean, even after the Shamaya Burns fight, people are like, oh, come on, you guys overhyped this guy. Goes out and has one of the best fights we've ever seen in a three-rounder against a guy who fought for a, a world title not that long before that. And we were questioning the rise of Shamayev and questioning how good is the, is the hype actually real? Is there holes in his game? We're, we're asking all these questions, even though it seems like Shamayev just didn't go with the game plan at all. So I think Rachmanov's going to get a nice solid win. He's going to come out of this with a victory. And hopefully some people are just going to understand that Neil Magny is way better than at least the betters are giving him credit for in this situation, but it's going to be a fight. He's going to learn a lot from there's no doubt about that. The rest of the main card, like AK mentioned earlier, we have Josh Parisian, Alan Badeau, some heavyweighty heavyweights, Tiago Moises, Christos Tiagos, Umar Namagamadoff, minus 950 favorite over Nate Manus. That is gigantic. Talk about and, future title challengers, eh? Yeah. So we for sure. that, could be, that could be another name, another guy that's fighting for a title someday. But AK, I was going to ask which other fight outside of those two really stands out to you. So I'll leave you with the main card opener because I think that's where you're going here. I mean, listen, the action man's the action man's going to take care of business. Uh, I was I was on uh, No Bets Bar just to follow. Again, guys, don't bet on MMA. But you know, I, I <laughs> it's my job. It's my job to make these shows sometimes, and I had to follow up. I was filling in for the wonderful Connor Burks last week, and for the sake of the show, I made some bets because. Why not? And then I had to follow up this week and say how I went, how it went. Not great, uh, but I will say, I, I uh, were I theoretically betting money uh, this week, I'm picking Chris Curtis to beat Hadolfo uh, Vieira. I like, I like it. I like the matchup on paper. It's obviously striker versus grappler. I think Chris Curtis again. It's one of those veteran guys who has seen it all. He'll be able to stay out of trouble against uh, Adolfo Vieira if it goes to the ground for any prolonged period of time. I mean, he's toast. This goes for anyone, not you know, not just Chris Curtis. Um, even taking into account, you know, that Vieira is kind of a um, not. I don't want to say one round. Like he he needs one round because he did get a late finish. Uh, in his most recent fight, but certainly uh, he learned his lesson in the Anthony Hernandez fight about you know just just going leaving it all in there in the first round. So uh, I do, but I do think that Curtis Curtis is just Mike. I'm loath to say it. It's a little bit better at mixing the martial arts. I think he will draw Adolfo Vieta into a mixed martial arts contest. Vieta just look powerful super strong guy powerful guy his striking is just nowhere near where chris curtis's is and again why would it be he doesn't have the amount of um you know in cage that kind of fighting experience that chris curtis has so 
Uh, listen, if you're confident that Vieta is going to get this ground, I'm sure a lot of people are. I'm sure uh, Vieta by submission is a very, you know, is, is, has very good odds for it. I just don't think um, Chris Curtis is going to fall into that trap. He's been submitted, I think, one time in his entire career. Has he ever faced a grappler the level of uh, like a pure BJJ artist, the level of Adolfo Vieta? Probably not. Very few men have. But even taking that into account, maybe he gets into a few trouble spots. I think he survives. I don't think he gets submitted. I don't think Vieta can win a decision. So I have to go either Curtis by decision or Curtis by knockout. I think Chris Curtis is going to knock him out. Vieira by submission is plus 175 if you want to maybe hedge that bet. I don't know. I mean, if Chris Curtis did get submitted in his career, it was like really early on because there's some of like two of his losses. It doesn't say the actual result, but he doesn't get finished. Like Ray Cooper finished him, but we have to also have to remember that Chris Curtis had retired. Like he was done with MMA after he lost to Magomed Magomed Karamov and Magomed Karamov supposed to fight Ray Cooper. Chris Curtis is eating his post-retirement meal and they're like, hey, you want to come back in and fight Ray Cooper? And then he got knocked out. Other than that, this dude is so durable and he's so tough. It's so hard to put this guy away. So I do agree with you. I think Chris Curtis is a very good bet in this spot. I think there's a lot of value there because, I mean, listen, Vieta is great on the ground, but if Curtis could just get out of the first five minutes and not get stopped, he's got a very good chance to win the fight. But it's a compelling matchup nonetheless. Jose, what stands out to you? Uh, a few prelim fights. There's a lot of fights, fighters, I want to say, that stand out. Like, obviously, Carlos Ulberg, uh, one of the main training partners of Israel out of Sanya down at City Kickboxing. I don't know why they didn't just hold him for another week so that, you know, they could be all fight on the same card. But that international fight was probably just stacked enough that they just didn't have room for him. So fighting a week before so they can still at least peak semi similarly is probably a great thing. Carlos Ulberg, I he didn't. He didn't debut that great against Kenny and Njikwu. Uh, I think he got that was when he got KO'd, right? When he just didn't move his head at all, and then Kennedy just kind of just jabbed him to death and just knocked him dead. And then his last fight against Fabio Charant left a lot to be desired. So I want to see if he changes up the game plan at all, uh, or he just goes out there and you know looks for the W, which you always should uh, in the UFC. And then there's obviously I have to shout out Brian Keller. He's one of the OG, you know, Crystal Crew members, uh, former co-host of the A-side. He's fighting. I don't know, again, don't know why he's not on the Long Island card, considering he's one of the few fighters on the UFC rostered from Long Island. Uh, but he seems down to clown whenever against anybody. And Mario Bautista is a very dangerous opponent. It's a bantamweight, right? Keller's done yes. messing around with Featherweight now. I know he's lost to Umar Nurmagomedov last fight, but who hasn't uh, when they fight Umar Nurmagomedov? So I'm curious to see how he bounces back against very dangerous young Mario Batista. And then I do, I am very interested in the JP Bay's uh, Cody Durden fight. JP basically is lives in the gym at extreme couture he's actually in pr pretty credible high level wrestling cody durden is like a multi-state champion uh high school champion uh or his team won a lot of uh state championships uh wherever he was from and then he, i think he had like a hundred something wins and like x amount of like very few losses in high school before he had to like, switch to mma because he had a kid so i'm very curious about that flyaway fight because the loser probably won't stick around in the ufc depending on how they lose uh jp i know she used to be married to cheyenne bays and if you asked a lot of people at the time who had the brighter future coming into the ufc a lot of people said JP. That obviously had the, his last few fights that he's lost. He's 0-2 in the UFC since winning the Contender Series. It doesn't isn't indicative of that. I think he's much more talented than his record shows. So I'm obviously very excited for that flyaway fight. Cody Dern's obviously coming off the loss to Muhammad 
Mahayev, who again, who hasn't lost to that kid. A lot of people kind of paint him as a future title contender, if not just future champion outright. So I want to see how these two flyweights uh, rebound from pretty devastating losses and if they will continue on in the UFC after Saturday night. Yeah, that fight's going to be absolutely chaotic. JP's been in there with Bruno Silva, like flyweight yeah. Bruno Silva, who could absolutely crack. And then his second fight, short notice, <laughs> he goes up to 135 and fought freaking Montel Jackson, yeah. who has hands the size of Brock Lesnar. And he got yeah. knocked down like a hundred times and still didn't get finished in that fight. So if you got to take some pride somewhere, take it there. That fight's just going to be like a couple Tasmanian devils rolling around with dust fly. And that fight's going to be absolute pure chaos. That's probably my pick for fight of the night. I think Tafan and Chupi, Carlos Ulberg ain't going to be pretty, but it's going to be pretty fun. Hey, They're just any, fight, any, 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 any fight with Carlos Ulberg is pretty. Did you guys see the weigh-ins? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I is it? Listen, is it? How can a human being like actually glow? How is it possible? <laughs> Did you guys see it? Like he stepped, I swear scared. to God. I, I believe I he even he turned down a role on the New Zealand Bachelor. If yes, because it wouldn't be fair to the bachelors before or the ones who came after. <laughs> it would just like the show would be over. Uh, I swear, I I am sorry. Listen, it is people watching. Don't objectify fighters. All right, Should, certainly people in the MMA media shouldn't do it. This is this is off. This is all guys. This is all this is between you and me and you, Jose, Mike, me, and you guys watching. Okay, this is all just between us. Uh, he is that man glows like he has a physical glow. It was weird. It was crazy. I swear. I thought it was. I was like rubbing my screen. I'm like, is my screen smudgy or something? How can a human being actually glow? It's not. I've never glowed in my life. Uh, I've never. I've never had that shine like a Carlos Olberg. So I'm just saying, it, it is disturbing. I don't know how it's possible, but I swear I saw it this morning at the official weigh-ins, and I just don't know how to explain it. I'm shining right now. My head is shining because it is 587 degrees in Command Center 4.0 because we haven't installed the air conditioning yet. So <laughs> I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear nothing about anything being hot out on the East Coast over there. It is 106 today out here in Arizona. We're we're 100 right now, but there's he's, no he's AC in, South in here at all in this room. Yeah, there's no AC Man. in here at all. Not yet. Hopefully, by the time we get back from Vegas, we'll, we'll we'll be able to cool off a little bit. But we fight on through. Let's go to the peeps, Casey. Let's see what the peeps have to say about UFC Vegas 57. There he is. Hello. Second baddest stash in MMA media behind Randy Costa. Oh, speaking of glowing. It was, a, it, was a, it was a different stash. He has more of these. I'm working in a saloon in the Wild West. Or like, you yeah. know, it's a difference. In, 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 in an official mustache contest, they would not be in the same categories. You know what I mean? You would not, yeah. you know what I mean? They're not competing. Yeah, there's different, yeah. Uh, you know. That's what I was saying. Dog I would show, assume, yes. but like in a dog show or like a or like a bodybuilding competition, you do have the categories and then you just have overall. It's so best regardless in show, of yes, they're in the same best way. Show. Yeah, best in show. So... <laughs> Well, you know, eventually, if 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 Casey does win and and Randy does win, they would have to face off in you know the ultimate pose down at the end. That's right. not we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get there. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah, but yeah, that next is stellar next BTL. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oops. Hold on. Uh, is this the best prospect versus prospect fight in a long time? Ak. Oh, go to Jose. This is a Jose question. I'm sorry. You got to go to you know my 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 uh, memory is garbage. So. I'm gonna have to actually click this back. Probably here. this. Rem this reminds me of like when a young Max Holloway fought Dustin Poirier. I know they were both really young, 
Uh, but those two eventually ended up fighting again for an interim title. If you tell me in like six years, Gamrod is fighting Armin Sarukin for an interim title, I'd be a I'd be surprised that Gamrod is still fighting because I think he'd be forty at that point. But it could happen. So probably something around there. Uh, again, my only caveat is calling. It's just weird calling. I, I think Gamrod is yeah. not a prospect, right, Jose? You Gamrod Sarukian, I'm fine. His age, he's, he's so young. Just, Gamrod he's a, is not a prospect. people in the UFC and like when they're new to the UFC, people label people like Yuri sure. Prohaska was not a prospect. Manel no, was not a prospect. Like, no, no, those no. guys. Michael Chandler was not a prospect. So, right. if you want to call him a prospect, just because you don't know who he is, so be it. But I sure. don't consider either of these. Yeah. Once you're in the top 15, I don't consider you a prospect anymore because you're there. I is this the best? Say, it, okay, is this the best up and comer versus up and comer fight? Thank you. I prefer up and comer, which usually gets a lot of giggles from the MMA community, unfortunately. But I do I think would, it's the more did, accurate term. John Jones versus Ryan, undefeated <laughs> Ryan Bader is a good one. When when pre-champion John Jones fought undefeated Ryan Bader on that card, that was another because Ryan Bader was still kind of ta- he won the Ultimate Fighter and he was rattling off a bunch of wins he hadn't lost yet, and then John Jones just made him. You know, look like he they they were there were levels yeah. to this stuff. So, mm-hmm. and after that win, John was like, they were like, you want to fight for the title next? And he was like, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because Bader Bader was like a a good prospect, but John Jones was like super duper prospect at that time. Yeah. So yeah, but I know what you're saying. I, yeah, I, I would that Bader Jones is a good one. That's um, a good one. But I, I but what I like about this fight, the up and comer versus up and comer, is like fight night main events usually aren't like this. Uh, I feel that's why I feel I this is this is kind of unique, and I'm I'm. I know there was some moaning about this main event, but I love it. I love it. The UFC um, by making this five rounds, I think, is just perfecto. I think. I think. Just repeat what you guys said earlier. Yeah, and, and we always say we, we want to see future like title challenges put in five round fights. It's always weird how they're like they they don't want to put these guys in main events or into five round fights until they absolutely have to. And it's like why not? Like I don't understand. Aren't you testing to see if these guys are championship fighters? Then you should give them like the chance for five mm-hmm. rounds. It's always really strange. Yeah. Um, Would you consider? Like when Rose fought Paige in that main event, Paige hadn't lost yet, and Rose was, you know, coming off. She had, I think she had, I don't know if she had lost to Carolina yet, but that was kind that felt like they were obviously looking back, there were levels, but at the time, they were both on the rise undefeated, and then they fought in the main event. Rose yeah, wasn't undefeated. She had already lost. Yeah, well, I mean, in the UFC, she, maybe. She, I don't she, know. She, Torres, had, yeah. no, she had already lost. Uh, Rose had already lost. Oh, Carla, uh, Carla. Tisha. Yeah. Yeah, T-shirts. Oh, well. yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I, I know what you're saying though. Uh, I, I consider, I consider Rose a high level prospect. I considered Paige even at that time. Yes. Just someone who was very hyped. Rather yeah. Than well, I guess. I, think, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm not saying like they're like Paige was going to be a future champion ever, but that was a main event. Is what I'm mm-hmm. like. Remember how we're talking about like that doesn't normally headline fight nights. That headlines yeah. the fight night, and the next day or the day before was Chad, Frankie, and the mm-hmm. day after was Connor. Aldo. So like right. Rose and Page headlines on that same week. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know what we were robbed of this year that would have been up there uh, is the Avloy of Taporia fight. Uh, it wouldn't have been quite a secure uh, a Surikian Gamrat level, but man, I, that Evloya Taporia yeah. fight, I was like, that's that's two future title challenges right there. Like I'm like, I was so excited for that fight. I was excited. And I, I hope we fight, see it someday. But why I like this fight even more is because it's a main event. Yeah. And so it's not I don't want to say wait waste is not the right word, but it's not buried. As just a just another fight, like this is a featured fight. Where the fact that if this wasn't the main event, we would be talking about it, you know, a couple minutes. But now, since it's main event, we're dedicating most of the show to this fight, and that's um that's exciting for these fight. And but I, I'm just happy the UFC had enough faith in these two fighters to uh, do this because um you're right, the fans don't know who these guys are. 
the, the, the casuals don't know who they are, but um, that's why you have main events. That's what fight nights are for. So this is why this is kind of awesome. Trust me when I tell you this, you will not be disappointed with this fight. This is not going to be a stinker. Oh, no. Even like either oh. either Sarukian's going to win in devastating fashion, Gamrot's going to get a finish, or these two are just going to get after it for five rounds. Either way, we're going to walk out of here with a lot to talk about after and that main event. And we're going to know so much game. more about both fighters, too. Yeah. 100%. You that, know, that's, that's the exciting you know part. Yeah. You know what will pass this is the when O'Malley fights Adrian Yanez eventually. That fight's gonna be that fight's gonna be that fight's gonna be more hyped, and that will be a main event for sure. Make it happen, please. Matt, he's got a tough fight next week, so let's see. Um, Is Saruki on the best win on it? That's a great question. Oh wow! I think here's what I'll say about this. I think when we look back on the career, like I think when we reflect back. Because right now, if we look at it from rankings, Dan Hooker is the best win just because of how he did it, where Hooker was ranked at the time, just went out there and ran him over, got a submission. But I think I think that win is going to age better than maybe any win on his resume outside of if he wins the title. Honestly, I think this will be the one that ages the most, ages the best for him, if that makes sense. I think the loss ages great for Sarukian too. The fact that he went to the decision, like it, it yeah. goes, it's both ways, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. The answer is yes. I think that he is the <laughs> yes. best win. Yeah, I, 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 it's a great question, but I just looking at the, his resume. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's more of a comment. <laughs> <laughs> or it would be, it would be if, if Mike, if it was in UFC Paris, as uh, as That's our, right. our own, as our yeah. Jed Mashu yeah. has lamented multiple times. <laughs> why, why do we not have the Parisian versus the Frenchman? At UFC Paris, what happened here? What was we could have held this off for two months? Uh, just run it back again, no matter the result. Just do it yes, again. That's oh yes, definitely. It's um, a big one. Both, both guys need to win badly. They're probably both fighting for their jobs, and yeah, well, hopefully it's a, a fun, exciting fight that doesn't last more than seven and a half minutes, and we should be good. It's a fine fight. The placement, in the card is just weird. It should be this should be um, Umar and Nate Manus spot. That should be a bit, whatever. Who else on, or who on the prelims could have taken this spot? Um, there's probably a few good options, yeah. right? Umar. Basically, oh, he's an Umar and main. Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Umar at. No, Umar is on the main card, I think. Yeah, he's on the main card. No, but yeah, yeah. Should, he is? Uh, yes, wait, how many be. fights are on the main? I mean, I'm going by the topologies six. The, um, order. It's I'm six. not sure six. that's the correct order. Six, it's six and six. So Umar should be on the main card. But yeah, I'm trying to think what else could you put on instead of the heavyweight fight. I mean, even the glowing Carlos Albert. No, that fight's fine. Pretty ugly. Do <laughs> um, let's talk about this gentleman now a little bit. Not Trill House, but... <laughs> Magni is in gatekeeper exile. No way he makes a title run from here. I, I mean, I don't know if I like gatekeeper X. I mean, he's got... He's kind of that, I guess. Like, not in a. We need to find a more respectful he's, term. He's, he's made the, he's, him, the, he's made himself that because he doesn't yeah. say no. Because he takes fights like this. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. I want Hamzat. I want Shavkat. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad. Like, at the end of the day, you can't like wins and losses matter in the UFC. You win twelve fights in a row, you're probably going to get a top five guy. Uh, that's happened to Neil Magny. He's just run into, you know, RDA and Santiago and this and that. He can't get over that top five hump. 
but he's a gatekeeper because he takes fights no one else wants. And he's a gatekeeper because guys like Shavkat have to win fights like this for us to go, for the fans to go, okay, this guy is a legit top 10 guy. Now he's, if Shavkat wins, especially impressively tomorrow night, then basically Shavkat versus anyone in the top 10 is kind of fair game, honestly. Yeah. That's why. Dude, this guy, he's, Magny's won five out of six heading into this fight. Mm-hmm. And a pretty good crop of dudes. Lee Jing Leung, Anthony Rocco Martin, Robbie Lawler, which may not age as well, but we yeah. still that, love Robbie. That, 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 leech, that, leech win. that Leech win was after two years, and he beat the hell out of Leech. And if you look at Leech's, yeah, like, like everyone ta- everyone remembers, like, Leech, like, losing to Hamzat. But, like, if you look at when he fought Neil Magny, he was on, like, a four or five fight win streak with, a like, a handful of TK. KO win. So that fight at the time was uber impressive. And then Max Griffin was rolling too. And that was a good win. Yeah. Again, that's mm-hmm. another litmus test for Max Griffin to see if he could be the guy, could be a, a player in the division. So yeah, I mean, it's not a bad spot to be in, but I mean, and then like Court McGee is probably like the next level back for litmus tests. Like before you get to it, before you get to the Neil Matt, like if you think you could be a top 15 guy, you beat Court McGee. But if you think you could be a top 10 guy, you have to beat Neil Magny. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's a couple of those guys in this division. Yeah. yeah. And by the um, way, I want to say it's, it's, it's a different question between will he make a title run and can he get a title shot? I don't think he ever makes an earnest title run, like rattling off like four or five straight wins and like earning a title shot. But him always being in that sphere, I would never rule out him somehow being the option because certain guys fell through and he just like falls into a title shot. I, I could really see that happening someday. You never say never in MMA, and Magny has the resume where Dana White would be very comfortable um, throwing him in as a replacement opponent on short notice for a title shot. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Mike, you mentioned earlier that you said, maybe I was wrong, but you said that you think that you believe this is a, a must win for Shafkat, or like you think you, like, this is super important. What did you say? You said something like, I think he's going to take a lot away from this fight, either way. He's- most important, important fight of his career. This is going to be, yeah, yeah. Most important fight of his career. What about Magny? How important is this for Magny? Is this because uh, I can't find the comment? Someone said, "Is Magny just playing up house money here?" You know, kind of one of those things. Like he's just kind of brought yeah. in. Just you think so? A little bit. I think there's some truth to that. I think if we're talking about pressure versus pressure, I think all the pressure's on Rachmanov here. You get this spot. You wanted it. Be careful what you ask for. You're the second biggest favorite on the card against a veteran who is on the precipice of breaking records, the record of freaking George St. Pierre. You have to think all the pressure's on Rachmaninoff. Not saying that if he loses to Neil, mm-hmm. he can't get make his way back up. But in a division like this, which is such a slow build to get up to the title shot, the UFC's given this guy a push. They gave it to Shemaev, not as hard with Rachmaninoff, but... They're giving this guy a chance. They're giving him the promotional push. Three fights in, he's fighting Neil Magny on a co-main event. It's a big deal. And he doesn't seem rattled by it at all, which that face-off was just <laughs> – go watch Rachmaninoff for that face-off. It's just – it's like he smirks at him like something – he knows something bad's oh, going to happen. Yeah, sorry, here, here's a comment I found it from Mr. Boza. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I don't think it's – hundred percent like i could just go in there loosey-goosey and whatever happens happens and i'm fine but i think there's some pressure on him because i'm sure just within himself 
he wants yeah, obviously I, wants to win. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. more of a pressure, like more of a, a personal pride for Neil Magny because you no, know, we're we're the fans, and kind of all of us are saying, you know, he's this high level gatekeeper. But I think when we know Magny, he wants to go. No, I can win that belt. I can beat Shamayev. I can I can fight for that belt. And right now, we don't see Neil Magny that way. But that's why I don't believe this isn't this is not a house money fight for Neil Magny. I think that for him to to for him to really tell himself, convince himself that he is one of the best in the world and can fight for that title, he has to look good Saturday night too. So um, that's why I don't really buy into this house money thing. But I understand what what people yeah. are saying. I don't think, and I mean, what I mean by that is, like, I don't think a loss, unless he just gets run over, like he just gets trucked in like right. a minute tomorrow. I think people are expecting him to lose. You know, look at the betting lines; it's ridiculous. Yeah. Seeing Neil Magny as a plus three thirty underdog heading into a, a fight with a guy with only three UFC fights, but if he's competitive, I think he'll be okay with that. And most people are expecting him to lose this fight, so in that sense, a loss doesn't hurt of that much because people are already expecting it and a win is cool and it gives them a little bit of a rub but i don't think it does i don't think it bumps them up like five spots in the rankings or anything you know what i mean no, just kind of no. keeps them where it's at no but i think notoriety wise and it's and yeah i know what you're saying yeah yeah uh cool cool uh do, 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 do. where is it take, um take a couple more take a more um Umar Nurmagomedov seems to be the biggest favorite of the whole card tomorrow at minus 1,000. Is that correct? I found that. Yeah, he's, uh, according to DraftKings, he is the biggest favorite on the card by a lot. Uh, as we started the show, he was minus 950. A couple bets, I guess, on uh, on Nate Manus. Now it's down to minus 900, where it's been most of the week. Come back on Nate Manus plus 500. I actually think these betting, no disrespect to Nate. <laughs> I actually think this betting line could be a little wider, honestly. I have. I just think what Nate doesn't do well, Umar does incredibly well. The Johnny Munoz fight, I can't get that fight out of my brain. I just can't. How easy Munoz is able to take Manus's back over and over again in that fight. And I think Manus got the split decision there in a fight that was could have gone either way. Munoz is a good grappler, but if Umar gets your back, you're done. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care how good your defense is. If he takes your back, you're done. And I think he's got three rare naked choke finishes in a row. Brian Kelleher being one of those. Four out of his last five wins are rare naked choke. If he takes Nate's back, this fight's done. And yeah, I feel pretty confident that he will be able to take Nate's back. Now, maybe Nate comes out and just has to realize like, hey, I just can't get taken down. If I stay on the feet, I got a chance. But you have to think at some point, Umar's going to get him down. And then you have to... Get, things get a little hectic down there with a guy like that. So I think the line could be a little wider, but Nate's good, man. Nate's a good fighter. Just what Umar does excels at, Nate is not great at. Nate Manus, cheat, cheat, cheat. Use the <laughs> use the Tim Elliott method of dealing with these, you know, elite wrestlers. Grab a glove. Listen, grab the fence. Grab the fence. You get a freebie, maybe two, maybe three. Chris Tyone's your ref. Hold on to that. Double fist that thing. You could be hanging on to that. Back. <laughs> yeah. Double fist that thing. And if he takes your back, ram, like, kneel over and ram his head into the fence using whatever it takes. Because when you're minus, I think minus 1,000 or minus 950, minus 900, whatever it settles at, is a little crazy. Um, those are Bellator odds. Those are PFL tonight odds. Um, 
It's very hot. You, I, I how often do we see <laughs> yeah, that? Tour odds. How, how, how often those are we, those are UFC odds, man. This is this is. Well, how often do we see in in non-title fights a minus one thousand? Like Dude, in a non. What, like, what is Thiago Moises? He's about the same. What is he? What is he? What is he? Like, he's got to be at least a minus eight hundred. Over over Thiago's. Gia- yeah. He is not. He's minus two fifty five. Wow, that's great. Christos Magos is really good. Yeah, plus a thousand is crazy. A thousand means a ten to one favorite. You don't see that almost anywhere. Again, except on what did uh, what did Anthony Smith said when he was like at one point someone had him as like a plus eleven hundred against John Jones or something like that. He goes, "Oh yeah, that's like he's like someone asked him that he goes plus eleven hundred. That's like bringing out a corpse to fight someone. (laughs) Like that's right, yeah." And that's a title fight. Again, we see these odds in title fights. We see this with Shevchenko, where she's had multiple uh, fights where the opponent is minus 1,000, 1,100, 12, or sorry, or she's minus 1,100, 1,200, whatever. Non-title fights in the UFC, this is so, I think this is pretty rare. People in the comments, go ahead, shout out um, whatever I'm forgetting. I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of things that are close, but I'm very sure in the UFC, it's very, very rare. And again, it shouldn't matter whether it's in the UFC or another promotion, a quote-unquote mismatch is a mismatch, but Nate Manus is really good, uh, undefeated in the UFC as well. So the odds seem a little crazy to me. Are you picking him? Mike's, God, no. But Mike's <laughs> – that's what I'm saying because Mike, Mike's, Mike's breakdown makes sense is that the, the route that Mike is kind of saying is going to play out in, I think that's what we're all seeing. I think as soon as we saw this matchup made on paper, we all kind of saw it going that way. So, But MMA is crazy. I think any – again, I think only in rare circumstances should someone be, again, minus 1,000 or greater than minus 800. Like that's really – that's like discounting so many things that can happen in MMA. Random injuries, guys getting a lucky punch. Again, uh, uh, Nate Main is cheating his ass off as he should to try and get whatever advantage he can as a plus six fifty underdog in this case. Um, who, yeah. Who was what was Romanoff over Chase Sherman? Oh, was good question. There? Good question. I think it was uh, twenty one. Eighteen minus twenty five hundred or something crazy. Like that? No, stop it. Was he? I'll look it up right now. That, I'll that, that, right now. That, it was I'm, ridiculous. I'm, I'm bringing up memories. We've had, we've, had this oh. con- we've had this conversation before, and I remember, oh, yeah. it was, it was yeah. Romanoff and well, Chase Sherman. But, but that was also late notice replacement. I mean, those guys are nowhere near each other in the rankings. I think Umar and Nate Manus are a little bit closer to each other in the rankings. It, yeah, Manus' record is much more close than right. Sherman. Chase, sure. Chase Sherman wasn't even in the US when he took that fight. My, I'm yeah. sorry? Chase Sherman was cut and then came yeah. back. Yeah. Just he wasn't, like, he wasn't in the UFC. Yeah. So I'm saying full full camp, full notice, like regularly scheduled fight with these kind of odds almost never happens. Yeah. yeah. So right now on Tapology, which are just straight picks, um, minus 5% of people. 5%? Are, 5% of people are That's picking. That's high for, um, for the odds. That's high. Yeah. 5%. Yeah. Like that should be like 2%. Yeah. For, um, Gia- uh, G- how do you say? Giago? Christoph wow. Giagos. Jagos, Jagos, Jagos. Eight percent are picking him, and Neil Magny is at eleven percent. Wow! So just kind of give you those are just straight picks. You know, no money yeah, in the yeah. line, just more. You know, but yeah, interesting. Jagos, eight percent. So that's not far off from. Yeah, that, that's uh, why. That's why. That's wow, why I was asking about the odds because I saw the sure, straight picks. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. Wow. And um, here, real quick, before we head out. I saw that. Wow. Hold him to All it. All right, Forrest. All right, Forrest Daniels. Forrest, this guy has the most wins. Tie, or he's, he's about to, he could have the most wins in UFC welterweight history, man. I mean, I'm picking against him. I'm always disrespecting <laughs> Neil Magny, but holy crap, I would never make any sort of wager or bet on this fight. Like as confident as I am in, 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 uh, in uh, excuse me, Rachmanov. Well, then again, maybe maybe this is a normal Saturday night for him, so maybe we're the suckers for <laughs> taking, taking this bet. Well, well he, he wrote that about ten times for every fighter, actually. So yeah, if, if, yeah. 
JP buys wins. I'm running around naked. No. He just wants to break out. This guy just wants yeah, to break yeah. out. Uh, he lives in a nudist colony. Yeah. So uh, there's a. I, I had a poll. I had a poll. Yeah, what's, I had a poll. What was the poll? Oh, okay. Just who's going to win the main event? Pretty strong Sarukian support. Sixty-four percent. Sixty-four percent Sarukian. So interesting. Uh, yeah. On topology, it is seventy-three percent are picking. So, so okay, so about around the same range. Right. Yeah. Okay. Online, so there's but, a lot and, of confidence. Uh, yeah, and one last thing, just to leave leave on a bit of positivity for everyone. Just a shout out to the whole MA Fighting crew. The variety of shows analysis has been awesome as of late. Thank you, and thank you, Tiffany, and thank you to all of you who have uh, joined us along this ride. And there will be lots of content coming your way over the next several days. Between, of course, we got three events tonight. So follow MAFighting.com for Bellator, BKFC, PFL, UFC Vegas 57 tomorrow. People's pre-fight show 6:30 Eastern tomorrow because we got a we got a late one tomorrow. 7 p.m. prelims, 10 p.m. main card. AK and I'll be back on Sunday for on to the next one. Ariel's back on Monday for the MMA hour, and then Jose and I are off to Vegas on Tuesday, and we're gonna have some fun. So until then, everybody for AK and his heart, Casey, Jose. Heart? Am I making like a I am Mike or something? I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is, AK. It's like, supposed to be a heart. It's like Yamasaki does it all the time. Yeah, okay. That's why he's not a referee in the UFC anymore. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.